welcome to the Holden Village Podcast. Holden is a community of education, programming, and worship located in the remote wilderness of the Cascade Mountains. These snapshots provide a glimpse into the learnings taking place in our community. Let's tune in to this week's highlight. Well, it seems that theater has been a part of both of your experiences. A lot of drama in my family. A lot family. of drama. <laughs> a lot of drama. Okay. Yes. But Holden, uh, uh, you know, it's one thing that back in the 60s when there wasn't a lot of other stuff, you know, there was no heat. <laughs> so having drama, religious drama players. I saw Uncle Vanya about eight times. I saw the cocktail party. They used to have this drama group come out from Augsburg College and they would build their sets here and uh-huh. really do their, be sort of like New Haven or, you know. Sure people going to Broadway, but they would um, put on the productions and then head off to Seattle to the Opera House where Lutherans in Seattle would feel like they had to go see these plays. There were, there were a number of them that were very funny. They did do Ibsen's Brand, which was pretty long, I remember, but I was only 15, so mm-hmm. what do I know? What do any of us know? No, <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Anyway, ask on, ask on. Ask on. Well, for all you listeners out there, if you haven't recognized the, the vocal frequency of our two guests, we have Paul and Carol Hinderley. You've been to the village before, right? Oh, alas. <laughs> compared to Paul, I'm a newcomer. I came in 1970 <laughs> as a 20-year-old volunteer and came back the next year. And it took us about four years before we got together. Got together. Yeah, we did get married here in 1974, August 17th. Where in the village? Uh, in front of the jacuzzi. Right. In front of the jacuzzi. Right. On the green oh, in front the of the green. jacuzzi. Oh. And it was even longer because some of the patio hadn't been yeah, there yet. Yeah, a lot of that, right. So, so we had a we had a wedding with about 550 or 600 yeah, people because it was at, at, during the time that the two bus, the incoming and the outgoing buses overlapped. Yeah. So hmm. some people came in, got in on a wedding. Some people went out after a wedding. And, uh, I made fun. 1,800 croissants, <laughs> but I had lots of help because <laughs> yes. staff from the years before, I was just leaving as cook. I, that's all they called. There weren't food service coordinators. There was right. the cook <laughs> and, the, and the assistant associate cooks. And then we honeymooned up at uh, Holden Lake and the Forest Service closed the path behind us so that we'd have privacy. Yeah. Oh, Not that nice. it made too much difference. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's nice when you have the inn with the forces. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they... Uh, you wouldn't be able to do that now. No. They couldn't. Too many no. people all over those hills. Yeah. Then uh, we returned again in two years later. And after that, we were here for two years. And after that, Carol was at the University of Washington getting her master's degree and I was cooking in Seattle and then we moved to the upper Midwest in the end we uh, bought a little bar on we went out with not so good courage that's um, the other song that we don't yeah sing we don't sing that baby step courage well there were some people who went out with amazing good courage that the uh, administrator of the office Marlene Johnson who had never been out of northern Minnesota or Seattle Lutheran Bible Institute she went to Liberia as a uh, secretary to the bishop you know, it was a time of 250,000 people were killed in Liberia during those years with Sergeant Doe and then, I don't know, after he was executed, uh, Sergeant, I can't remember the other one's name. She went out with good courage there and she opened a, a safe place, especially for women. 
And all these women started to come to be part of St. Peter's, and she was the host. And that's amazing. Well, it is amazing how many people have gone out with, with good courage, so to speak. I mean, another one that comes to mind, you talked about yesterday, was Meredith Olson. Meredith, yeah. Who came up here. Learned and what, Meredith Olson. And Paul session yesterday talked about <coughs> some of the failures at Holden that became something something else. And Meredith's fish pond that she started outside the sauna, the river sauna, was probably a pretty significant failure. It just I think didn't all work the out. fish died. However, she went on to take her skills and her, her passion to Tanzania mm. and start fish culture and um, I don't remember how many yeah, thousands. Yeah, there are thousands and thousands of these eco-friendly fish farms in villages and towns in Tanzania. Plus her son has been the number one rapper in East Africa. Uh, <laughs> so you never excellent. know what's going to happen when you happen. go down the mountain. That's right. Well, I mean, there's just so much inspiration at Holden that just yeah. like births these new transitional pathways for people. We definitely thrived off of Holden Village energy, even on the other side of the continent. And during that time, Carol started taking Feldenkrais classes, which no, wonderful. I had barely heard of it, except a little bit at the, from a person who came up here who was a Feldenkrais mm -hmm. uh, practitioner, who worked on some people who had huge back troubles, and out they walked. Voila! Mountain. You're healed! <laughs> Carol, yeah, I know. <laughs> Better than laying on hands. That doesn't always work. <laughs> work right, for right. Jesus. <laughs> Seemed to work for Paul, and but for, for us, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like, you know, having so much rich history and so many experiences at Holden? Yeah, what are your thoughts on how the village is now? I love to see the changes. And, and you know, all the way along, I mean, Paul was connected with the village from pretty much from the beginning of its life as Holden Village. The first but, year of um, programming, yeah. But one mm -hmm. thing we know for sure is that change is going to happen and we might as well embrace it. Not every change. I mean, Holden has had lots of ups and downs. Absolutely. And there are, and there are ingredients to, to uh, health that probably need to be acknowledged as, we, as Holden continues. But it's wonderful. And, I, and last night, seeing uh, Copper, Copper Stock. Copper Stock, 23. That was fabulous. And I just thought, wow, all these great young musicians who are writing songs and, and having a great time. That's what I loved about Holden when I first came. Because I play the guitar and just sitting out there and playing songs and learning songs and performing songs and all kinds of things, as well as just the freedom of being in the mountains and etc. And being in a community that really affirmed newness and forgiveness and and uh, the ability to make mistakes and not mm. <laughs> be, and not die from them or have, kill someone else. You know. So I I love I love seeing Holden now. Our children worked at Holden Village while we were directors on and off. Julia was the barista and the head bus driver, and mm -hmm. both of them had been housekeepers, and both of them worked in the kitchen. Catherine was a head cook in the kitchen in 2006, and I think we only had five having that. Plus, performance. They both got to perform. Wonderful. <laughs> and, right. 
that was, it wasn't, uh, you know, when I talk about the drama in the early years or the movies that we used to have, I mean, I was the projectionist when I was in high school and I got to see La Strada about six, eight times. I, you know, I got to see all these Bergman films and we had so many, everything from, you know, Black Orpheus to Ikuru, Jane Fonda workout during the morning, and that was about Jane it. Fonda workout. We got to bring that back. Well, <laughs> during the winter, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, been fun to watch. Some things are the same. When I talked about things that changed the first year, before we got a bell that would ring things, the siren woke everyone up in the morning, and the sure. siren was there for. Somebody said, "Well, how did you know if it wasn't a fire?" Well, uh, if it was a fire drill or a fire, it would warble. That was, but otherwise it would just went, and there were people who loved that siren, you know, and were upset because there was going to be a bell. I know. When Carol and I first uh, moved out, they had just put in all the new uh, sensors, and the first year in 77 and 78, the siren would go off so often, you know. Searchers check, that sort of thing. Searchers check, Charlie too. Charlie too, searchers check. And uh, we moved to Seattle and we were about a block from, we lived on 3rd Avenue and 4th Avenue had a, uh, had a uh, fire department. Siren there would go off at three or four in the morning and we would pop out of bed and start getting dressed. Mm. No matter what, because it was wired in our heads that it's unsafe to be here. <laughs> we got to run to Ho's house for or whatever. Searchers check. Searchers check. Searchers check. Charlie too. Our daughter Rhoda, uh, Catherine, and uh, Martha Martha Schwain wrote a song called Searchers Check. That we're trying to to recover. It was a disco track. It was hilarious. Half disco, half rap, but it was very fun. Yeah, it did. We have to find it because it really is good. It's really cool. Shall I do? One of the things Holden does is it's one of the few places that has transgenerational friendships. Yeah. And one of our friends up here, Marn, was saying their daughter, who was here from when she was 11 to when she was 14, She's down visiting one of her best friends who happens to be 75. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen anywhere. So when you were talking about bowling, yeah. I thought about bowling alone. Folks aren't together on the outside the way they used to be. And, sure. and there's a, you know, whether you're talking about Kiwanis or churches, you don't have that. What de Tocqueville loved about the United States was that we joined associations, right. all sorts of odd associations. This is, you know, 1830s and 40s. But he thought maybe that was the key to what kept factions from overflowing. You know, if you go to church with only people you agree with, I mean, the Episcopalians used to be, you know, the Republican Party mm-hmm. at prayer. That's what it was called. You know, what if everybody actually had to glom together in different ways? And Holden's a place where all sorts yeah. of people, you know, all sorts of ideas come. I mean, as, as long as they're not. Holden doesn't have to be afraid of folks coming up. I use the example of this older pastor from northern Minnesota who came up in the middle of winter. And we used to, we used to give pastors pretty much a free ride and if, during the off season. His pastors came up for a very minimal, and seminarians could come up. Oh, in the middle he, of winter, yeah. it's wonderful to have people come in and bring new yeah. energy right. and new faces. And right. Anyway, he came up and we found out 
after he left, about a month later, his bishop wrote and said, what did you do? You know, he was, mm. he's the thorn in my side because he hates gay pastors so much. Mm. And we had a partnered gay pastor who couldn't be ordained because it wasn't okay yet. But uh, this guy comes up, but whether he was, you know, ready for beer or not, it was Sunday and he came to Sunday worship and he heard Eric preach. And mm. it just, you know, oh, what do you know? Mm. <laughs> Peter in the house of Cornelius or something, you know, I'm sure. He was different when he left, as we, yeah. as many of us, or most of us Beautiful. are. I yeah. remember the first time I left when I was a 20-year-old after two wild months of, of volunteer staff. It was 1970, so it was, <laughs> it was wild. You know, and the student strike and Cambodia and uh, Jackson State. It was very and, political know. and also it was just this huge liberation for me personally because you know, I'm a preacher's kid. I went to a Lutheran college and, and I mean, not, there's nothing particularly safe about a Lutheran college, but coming to Holden was just a, wow, it was just a complete, my brain cells were moving all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember going out the village and looking up and thinking, I wonder if I'll ever see these trees again. <laughs> well, yeah, you did go to USC after that, so it was a, way, a while before you would come back. You know. yeah. What makes both of you laugh? A lot of things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Carol makes me laugh. That's good. Um, I loved, I have to say, this morning in my Feldenkrais class, someone came up to me afterwards and said, I hope I'm not going to tell you who it was, so I feel free in, in quoting. I was doing this lesson and suddenly you were inside my head and it was hilarious and I almost started to laugh but I didn't want to want to disturb anyone else and I just thought, oh, that is wonderful. You got inside. Yeah, you, you became one of the many boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, just to be, I, I mean, one of the, you know, the holy hilarity of Holden Village is all, things happen spontaneously here that take an awful lot of planning on the outside. <laughs> That's but right, here, too much planning. Yeah. Here, yeah, I mean, part of it is you're, you're, you're free to fail. All sorts of people are willing to just stand up and look stupid. Mm. But, and that's great. Does that make me laugh? Uh, am I laughing at them? Yeah, sort of. I, but, but, <laughs> but, but it's that, it's the riskiness. Holden is one of the few places in the world where you're free to be fooled. Foolish. Yeah, right. <clears throat> you know, laughing at oneself is very hard. But children do it all the time. You see kids of a certain age, I mean, sometimes they're, they're embarrassed, but at other ages, you know, they, they make this happy laughter happen and it delights them, you know? And in many ways, we're able to kind of recapture some of those, those childish moments for ourselves and, and have a lot of the, the adultness taken away. Yeah. Oh, well. yeah, Leo Busted wrote a, a poem, I can't remember it, except the first line was about Holden, it was a Holden Village poem, but it was load lifter. <laughs> you, you, you took these burdens. And part of it is the, the persona, you know, the mask we all put on on the outside so that yes. we don't look quite so foolish. And how many people have had their first public performance up here? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. you'd have, I mean, talking about what you're interested in there. I mean, that's just a wonderful thing. Even podcasting brings up a lot of fear for people. Sure. And so a lot of people's first experiences of uh -huh. having something recorded of them, not only that, but being broadcast, you know, mm -hmm. to, to the outside world, that's, uh, that warms my heart. 
specifically mm-hmm. yeah. and helping people overcome sort of that timidity. I also convinced myself I was timid at one point until mm-hmm. I realized, no, that's just not true. <laughs> that was a silly story I told myself. And so I love helping other people kind of overcome. And it's a wonderful gift. Yeah, that's a great gift. So, because we do thank tell you on behalf yeah. of all of us. On behalf of, <laughs> on behalf of, of yeah, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. <laughs> thank you. No, uh, but it's the same with food. A home is a place where I have relatives who, you know, I, I can't eat hot food. I can't eat this. I can't eat that. Sure. And some people can't. We have some family members who can't eat legumes, which is really difficult. At mm. Yeah. But. Uh, you get to try, you know, I'll just try it. And I see parents, you know, telling their kids, well, try this. And this one little boy today got such a kick out of the lentil mushroom stew, which they called cream of Arizona stew. Today, right. soup yeah, Without yeah. cream, right. which, which is part of the joke. No dairy. Um, but uh, uh, and this little boy said, oh, dang. Then he came back. This is great. Is that kind of Yeah. I thought, it was the right time for that little boy. Absolutely. To try. That boy will remember that Arizona. moment. Yeah. Like, right. I'll be like right, the, right. the paving stones for. There's yeah. so many things. I don't know. I'm so happy to be here now because it just completely refreshes my love for this place and, and all the people I, um, yeah. I meet here. I used to be amazed as a young person just how many of my deepest conversations and friendships came from Holden Village. And of course, I married some of you came out of that same Not especially deep there. (laughs) Maybe not deep. She found me in the shallows. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But also, I used to say that I had my my highest highs and my, my lowest lows here. Sure. And I talked with Someone last night who came here about the same age as I did, and I don't know if it's helpful to have that affirmed, but just the fact that that whatever low is happening um, has its counterbalance. There's such a range of of experiences and emotions and ideas that are available here that in a safe place, essentially. Not that everything's safe. I mean, our kids are climbing someplace today that I don't know is safe, but... They'll be okay. They'll be fine, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I think that's true. I think Holden does give a space. That, so many people come here at times of transition. Mm-hmm. People coming out of college, coming out of marriages, coming out of relationships mm-hmm. after death and oh, so many other things. You have to have time in the tomb. You don't go all the right from, you know, don't go right to resurrection. <laughs> you have to have time in the tomb. I know. And We're always trying to bypass. And we're, yeah, <laughs> we're trying to get through that. And Holden actually gives the space and the time for reflection to grieve, first of all, but also to be part of the rhythm of every day. The work and the study and the worship and the humor. Last night, the energy that went into putting on the copper stock. But also the talent. I mean, people discovering things. Yeah. And, and often, you know, it's, it's like your timidity. You know, you, you have to discover. Part of me is timid, but there's, you know, yeah, huge parts, amount yeah. that's that gets... Uh, I used to think I was an introvert, but that's just because the rest of my family are such extroverts. Yeah, Paul's the quiet one. I'm the quiet one. Well, they were the only Italian family to come out of Norway. That's what what somebody told my sister. Anyway, Uh, one final question. Yep. Um, Eden is calling. What does that mean to both of you? And both of you are also offering things this week in the village. Mm 
How would you like to talk about that and perhaps how the theme of this summer, Eden is Calling, how is that manifested in your experiences this week? I love the fellow faculty members. I love for the first time actually being in that position and seeing how the how the cross-pollination happens between sessions. So I think I have to still say I'm not sure. Perfect. I'm, I mean, there are some images for me that are missing in that. The call is wonderful. I've just never thought of Eden as being something that's calling forward. And so maybe that's limited. That's a limitation in my my imagination. And, you know, maybe something will, will come. It can be kind of a siren call, not a siren as in... Searchers False check. call. No, not searcher's check. Searcher's okay. check. You know, heaven on earth uh, that somehow we can get workers paradise. I think what I've felt is that it's a, it's a sense of call that's, that is communal and individual and universal, creation-wide. It's all those things, but it's also in time these moments, and I think that's where I feel at Holden, there are these Eden moments. I had one last night at, at uh, Vespers, at Sacred Sorry, Space. I, mm. I mean, there, and people came up and they said, you know, I was out, outside, <laughs> out of the body experience. I was thinking, well, go back. <laughs> no, there's an idea of the mountaintop experience and with uh, Jesus yeah. and the disciples, and Peter says, let's build... I know, let's build a temple here. We can, mm, and we can good. stay here. Yeah. And, good, you know, people can come right. up and, you know, we'll be gurus. And <laughs> you can climb the mountain and ask me questions. And, you know, so life isn't a river. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but they do. They do come and sometimes. And that happened to me several times this week at Holden. I thought, yeah, Eden is calling, yeah. Well, I was uh, interviewing Sam and um, Elise. Yeah. Um, you know, they both had very great responses to it in regards to like there, we have these like giant issues or right. god-sized right. problems as some people would call it and that really overwhelms people and even like messes with their ability to you know even conceive of what it would take for them to uh, contribute but Sam was just like you know what I plant a garden and that's what I do you know that brings me meaning and purpose and I just I love the simplicity of that too which I feel like Holden embodies as well there's big things we can do but there's also these really like the small things are just as equally important I you know plant our garden at the end of Candide's journey, you know, Voltaire's Candide, you know, mm -hmm. we're just going to have to plant our garden. Yeah. You know, the, the big ideas. And I was talking about uh, Paul Hain, the economist in 1970, mm -hmm. and here, you know, everybody was just on edge. You know, we're, we are going, we are going to change the world. The boomers <laughs> are doing, any, anyway, he, uh, he just said, there's only one thing you people are going to do before you die. Yes, yes, what are we going to do? Marijuana will be legalized, that's about it. And people were so angry at him. You know, what do you mean? You know, we're going to change the world. We're going to change, we're gonna change the, the world. world. Oh, marijuana. <laughs> I just have to add about Sam. You, you might have talked about this when you had your conversation, but he makes soil. Right. He makes the most wonderful soil. Yeah. Yep. And right. I mean, that... It's beyond compost. It's it's created with love and with so much potential. I think that uh, so much of what we do moves toward making that fertile, rich Thank soil so for ourselves and for the people coming yeah. coming beyond us. I love Excellent. It. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, how did that uh, search song go again? Oh. 
It just kind of goes, searchers, check. And then they got all this garage. Okay, stuff. can we just like do like a searcher's check? Like just all three of us just... Yeah, it, it, we have to so. get into it, you know. It's 74. So you, you gotta do the... Boom, 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 Searchers, check. Boom, 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 Searchers check. Searchers check. Searchers check. Charlie two. Charlie two. Searchers check. Boom, 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 boom. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.